If you have a Bible with you, um, would you mind turning in it, please, to Mark chapter 9. If you're not familiar with um, the, the Bible, Mark is one of the books at the beginning of the New Testament. The second book, Matthew, then Mark. <clears throat> We're going to read just a few verses from this, and I want to take a few moments this morning to reflect on them with you and bring, I hope, a word of encouragement and a word of um, comfort to you. That's my prayer. Jesus is in a busy period of his ministry, and we read this from verse 33 to verse 37. Then they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, that's Jesus, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. For on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, whoever wants to be first, must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it amongst them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. Amen. God always blesses the public reading of his inspired and his infallible word. Perhaps it could be no more fitting passage of the New Testament to read on a day when you're dedicating a little boy or a little girl than the one that I've just read to you. But I'd like to take a few minutes and reflect on this with you in the hope that it might help you perhaps to slow down a little, to breathe out, and in the midst of the busyness and the pressures and the hassles and the uncertainties of life, to be reminded of who God is, or perhaps introduced to him for the first time, and be given a sense of peace that can only come from him as a gift. This story takes place in a really busy period in Jesus' ministry. But the Gospel of Mark is actually a gospel that was almost certainly recited or um, expressed by the Apostle Peter and written down by Mark as his secretary. The posh word for that is his amanuensis. And Peter was writing his gospel to the believers in Rome at a time when the Roman Empire was attacking Christians. This matters for the story and why it's placed here. The emperor at the time was going through a time of political uncertainty. Lots of things were changing in Rome and in the Roman Empire, and he had to blame somebody. And he blamed the Jews. And the Jews blamed the Christians. And as a result, there was a, a local persecution in Rome that broke out against Christians. And the Roman authorities were going from street to street and from home to home, taking men, women, and children, and killing them. Not putting them in the middle of a room and holding them in their arms, but killing them. And into the middle of that story, this story is told by Peter. 
in a culture that often attacks the vulnerable, Peter tells a story about God protecting the vulnerable, about God being committed to the vulnerable, about God loving them and knowing them. Our culture can demean children too. We can treat them as objects. We can hurt them so easily. But then we can hurt one another so easily. We're very quick to dismiss those that we disagree with. We're quick to say that we're always right and they, whoever they might be, are always wrong. It's interesting when you read the story where it fits. Because we read in verses 33 and 34 that Jesus asks his disciples a question. What were you arguing about? So these words, when this little child is put into the middle of the room and Jesus teaches his disciples through them, come in the context of followers of Jesus arguing. And we don't actually know very much detail about what they were arguing about, other than they say they were arguing about who was the greatest. That could have been, am I greater than you, Peter? Am I greater than you, John? Am I greater than you, Matthew? Am I more important than you? We know in other places in the Bible that the disciples did that. They fought with each other about who was most important. They could also have been arguing about the Messiah, Jesus, who had told them that he was going to die. Well, is he stronger than the authorities or are the authorities stronger than him? How can he be the strongest if he's going to die? There are lots of layers to the question, who is the greatest? And remember again that the story was being told into a community where Christians were getting killed. Well, how can Christians be serving a great God if they're getting killed? How can God be stronger than the Roman Empire if the Roman Empire is killing Christians? And to answer all of those questions, Jesus takes a little child and puts the little boy or the little girl, we don't know, into the middle of the disciples. He sat down, verse 35 says, and called the twelve and said to them, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it amongst them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. What is that story about? What does it say to Malcolm Duncan on the 3rd of November, 2019? What does it say to you? There are a whole range of things that I think it says to me, and I think some of them might be pertinent to you. But as we read that story, I wonder how much of our lives we spend fighting, arguing about stuff that in the end won't be that important. Don't spend your life fighting, either with each other in your family, with the people in your street, with the people that you work with. We can end up spending so much energy fighting and sometimes ending up not even remembering what the fight was about. There definitely is Irish blood in this story somewhere. What were you fighting about? I have a friend. His name is John. He's one of my closest friends. And his mum and dad had a fight when John was 19 about a can of deodorant. His dad went out to work in the farm and died. 
the last conversation he and his wife had was an argument about a can of deodorant. What's the last conversation you want to be with the people that you love? I was right! Or I love you. What's the thing that you want them to remember? Just be careful. That in the busyness of life and having to prove that you were in the right or whatever it might be, be careful that the last conversation you have with somebody isn't one that you could regret for the rest of your life. I wonder just how often we are lost in a stupor of anger or impatience or distemper instead of allowing ourselves to remember about the things that are really important. And I think that's why Jesus brings a little child and puts that child in the midst of them. He's reminding them that in the end, to live well, you need to have a posture that is like the posture of a child. I don't mean simple-minded. I don't mean ignorant. I don't mean behaving as if nothing matters. I don't mean any of the kind of naive images of a child. I mean the beauty and the simplicity and the profundity of living like a child. Maybe if our culture was a bit more like that in the United Kingdom at the moment, our politics would be slightly different. Maybe our discourse would be different. Maybe our families would be different. If we adopted a posture of humility, what's the point in winning an argument and losing a friendship? What you see here is a little child being called and set amongst them. And the language is really important. He sat down, called the 12, verse 35, and said, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it amongst them and taking it in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. What does a posture of humility, childlike humility look like? Well, perhaps it looks like listening more than speaking. Perhaps it looks like being teachable. I love the picture of them sitting at his feet, uninterrupted, undistracted. And this little child is sitting in absolute simplicity. And that's what Jesus says to them. I wonder sometimes, are we so busy that we can't hear God's voice? Are we so driven, so got to get this next thing done, that somewhere in the midst of our life, we lose what it is to be human? And we ended up treating people like objects rather than people. The humility that you see here is of a group of disciples being invited to sit in simplicity and to learn what it is to serve to put other people before yourself, to listen to their needs, to try to understand where they're at. I was talking to a friend recently 
about um, a book that I read not so long ago in which a, a man talked about every human being having a, a torn manuscript for their soul. That all of us have a tear somewhere. And actually we can help each other best when we identify that tear and remember it. And instead of jumping to conclusions about one another, see something in each other and be kind. And putting a child amongst them, Jesus isn't asking them to become simple-minded. He's not asking them to become naive. He's asking them to remember what happens when you prioritize the right things and you live in simple dependency in God. Now, we happen to have four children. They're all, you couldn't lift any of them now. The oldest is 25 and the youngest is 20. But have you ever been in a, a, a situation that is quite tense? I'm sure you have. And somebody brings a child into the room. Have any of you been in that situation? And everybody goes, exactly what they did when Noah James came up onto the stage. Everybody goes, oh. What is it about a child that brings down our barriers? What is it about the presence of a little person that makes everybody unite around them? It happens all the time, doesn't it? I think that's what Jesus is saying. Let your barriers come down. Let the pretenses come down. Let all the other stuff come down and allow me to love you. Allow me to do in you what only I can do and allow yourself to see in me the source of some of the things that only I can give you. Don't argue about who's the strongest. Don't fight about who's right. Don't um, constantly bicker with one another about who needs to have the upper hand. Become like a little child. Let your barriers down. When we put a child in a room, the room changes. And the language in this passage is of Jesus putting the child amongst them. And he says, and when you welcome that child, you welcome me. He's saying something about when we treat each other with kindness, God is present in a very powerful way. When we are compassionate and loving toward one another, when we see one another, when we hear one another, when we walk together, something changes. In his book, The Name of the Wind, Patrick Rufus says this, the American author, when we are children, we seldom think of the future. This innocence leaves us free to enjoy ourselves as few adults can. The day we start to fret about our future too much is the day that we leave our childhood behind. I wonder how many of us are so worried about the future that we're not able to enjoy God's grace now. And brothers and sisters, what if for 25 minutes out of a 168-hour week, God invites you to become a child again and to receive grace from him, to breathe out 
to stop trying to make everything work. To stop feeling as if we are the center of the universe and everything depends upon what we have to do. That we've got to get this done and this done and this done. For those of you that are worried sick about your kids doing the AQE next Saturday, this exam that categorizes children at 10, how can that be right? Let them be children this week. Tell them that whether they get a a good grade or a good score or a bad score, they're loved. Don't let a society that grades children at 10 become part of your culture. I have met people in their 50s and 60s and they still remember, it wasn't the AQE when I did it, it was the 11 plus, and they still remember their grade. They've gone on to achieve great things. But I bet you, if you, now I'm not going to ask you what you got, all right? Because that would be kind of counterproductive to what I'm trying to say, would it not? (laughs) But if you did the 11 plus, the AQE, whatever you call it, and you remember your grade or your mark, put your hand up. Isn't that ridiculous? I mean, some of you, you slit to do your AQE or your 11 plus. (laughs) (laughs) and you still remember your mark. (laughs) Let's allow ourselves not to argue about who's the greatest. Not to grade each other by the color of our eyes or the length of our hair or how well we speak or what part of Northern Ireland we come from or what school we went to, or what we got in our O-levels, or A-levels, or GCSEs, or CSEs, or any of those things. And instead, for a few minutes here in this building, on the edge of East Belfast, sit with me like a child. At the foot of God, whether you've ever met him before or not, And let him remind you that he loves you. Children are honest. There's no facade with them at a certain age. (laughs) What would happen if as we worship God today, as we sit with each other, as we celebrate Noah James, we put away the facades? Children are vulnerable. They need a parent that will love them and protect them and believe in them. Children are dependent. They're able to accept that they can't sort everything out. They haven't got all the answers sorted out. In the best childhoods, children feel secure. They're curious. If you were here last Sunday morning, you'd have seen a very curious child when I was dedicating her. Evie Johnson. Our mother and father are up there still trying to get a mic fixed for me. (laughs) She took this mic off. She tried to pull this out. What she didn't know, I better put that back. What she didn't know was that, see that little fluffy bit there? We'd lost that. 
And that had been stuck on with glue or something before the service, just quite coincidentally. And she decided to do a Krypton factor on it last week, (laughs) trying to pull it off. Children can't control their curiosity. They're just curious about life. And they're open. They're open to new things. They're open to learning. They're open to doing things differently. Maybe that's what we are to be. Honest, vulnerable, dependent, secure, curious, and open. Imagine a church full of people like that. Imagine a society full of people like that. Where we were learning and growing and we weren't afraid to discover new things together. What bits of childlikeness do you ignore in your life? Are you an over-organizer? Are you a worrier? Are you an arguer? Have you given up on discovering something new about life or about God? Have you lost your curiosity? Do you come to church because you have to? Or could God still teach you something? Do you know there are some moments when you read the Bible or you hear a song sung or you engage in an act of worship when actually the only response that can come out of you is, wow, childlike wonder at God's grace. Jim Henson, do you remember Jim Henson? The Muppet Man? He invented the Muppets. He wrote a book once called It's Not Easy Being Green and other things to consider about children. And he said, children don't remember what you try to teach them. They remember who you are. If I live to be 80, which would be 31 years from now, and you and I are still in the same church, You will not remember the sermon that I preached on the 3rd of November, 2019. But you will remember if I was kind to you. You'll remember if I turned up at your mother's funeral or I checked that you were okay when you were going through a hard time. Don't allow your understanding of Christian faithfulness to end up being somebody who knows all the answers when actually there's a great deal about just being kind and loving toward one another. I invite you into that place this morning, a place of simplicity, a place of trust, a place of gentleness, a place of openness to what God might do. And in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come to this table. Come vulnerably. Come openly. Come ready to learn something. When we were feeding our children and they didn't like something, we would do anything to get them to eat it. We were rather strict as parents, so if they didn't eat it, they would get it the next meal anyway, so they quickly got used to it. (laughs) Didn't do them any harm. (laughs) But those of you that have ever fed a child or been present when a child is being fed, 
You'll have played the train games. Open your mouth, the train's coming. You'll have done all of those things. But there is a moment for a child who cannot feed themselves at which they open their mouth and receive the food that their father's going to feed them or their mother. Take away the silly train analogy and sit with me for a moment around the analogy of being fed. On the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed, he took bread and wine and he broke the bread and he said to his disciples, this bread is my body broken for you. After they had finished eating, he took a cup and he drank it and he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink from it, all of you. And in that moment, the disciples had to make a choice. Jesus didn't put the food in their mouth. I don't mean that. But they were fed by him because of what he had done. Every Sunday morning in this church family, and the danger of doing this every Sunday morning is we get so used to it. At the end of the service or in the middle of it, we eat bread and drink wine. Every Sunday morning, you are invited to become a child again. To remember that only what God has done for you can bring you life. You can't sort things out yourself. You're not supposed to. Therein lies the great challenge for modern Northern Irish people. We are so independent, we don't like to receive help. I invite all of you to eat bread and drink wine, or it's not wine, it's juice, to drink this cup to remember that Jesus Christ died for you. Who is this table for? Who's invited in this moment to eat bread and drink this cup? All of you are, if you are willing to acknowledge that you need God, that you need his forgiveness, you need his grace, you need his mercy, and you need his help. And that grace, mercy, and help, and forgiveness comes to us through Jesus Christ, who died on a cross so that you might know those things. I cannot tell you how many times as a Christian the only strength that I have had left has been to open my mouth and eat bread and drink a cup. My faith has been at a low. My heart has been at a low. I have felt at the weakest that I could be. And when I eat the bread and drink the cup, I am reminded Christ is enough. His cross is enough. His mercy and his grace is enough. That's enough for every single person here today. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you can become one now. If you're not in relationship with him, you can ask him to forgive you now. If you have tried your, to make things work on your own, you can ask him to give you grace now. He is present here. And he says, become like a little child.
take a moment and think about where you are and may God come close to you. I see a lot of tired faces here on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights. Men and women who are working so hard, running so fast, trying to keep all the balls in the air. And you can't keep doing it. Stop. Breathe out. And receive God's grace and mercy and comfort and strength in your soul today over these next 15 minutes. Come to this table not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come not because you love the Lord a lot. Come because you love him a little and you want to love him more. Don't come because you have all the answers. Come because you know you don't. And he is the answer. Come not as the perfect person that you think you're demanded to be. Come as you are and let God's grace and mercy speak into your soul and give you strength through Jesus Christ.